Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. This is you on the D. Howard Network. My name is Marcia Patterson. I'm your host. I want to wish every mother out there happy Mother's Day. And today, our guest, uh, Marcia Dixon, who's been on the show from ISO Wisdom um, Health Coach, and we're going to be talking today about mothers, the importance of mothers physically, spiritually, and emotionally, how mothers have such an impact on our lives and the lives of our children. I just want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. It's really beautiful here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm hoping everything is well with you guys. And for those like myself, my mom has gone to be with the Lord. I know this is a time where you reflect and sometimes your heart become saddened, but the fact that your mom has accepted Christ as her Savior, we know that we will have a reunion someday. But I, without hesitation, I want to welcome my guest back and good friend, Marsha. Look, I know that we're going to confuse our audience by Marsha, Marsha, but Marsha Dixon, <laughs> how you doing, girl? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, doing really well. I just want to thank you so much for um, suggesting this show because this is Marcia's idea because Mother's Day is coming up. Marcia and I both believe in the Lord. We have such a uh, coming together in sharing inspirational things and things like that that can take us, and as well as young people, she mentor to another level, spiritually as well as emotionally. So today we just want to do some reflection about mothers. But, uh, Marsha, before we go there, give people a little background of who you are and I saw wisdom and what that means for you and the reason why you started that um, program. Okay, with ISO Wisdom, it is uh, professional life coaching, and we are careful to to do it with the principles of God, with the biblical principles. And we, what we do is we coach young women in their lives, whatever phase of life they're in, whether it's dating, whether it's uh, relationship, whether it's parenting, whether it's um, entrepreneurship, or most of all, whether it's kingdom things that they're doing, and and even working them through their salvation. If they're not saved or are interested in being saved, we work through that also. So I saw wisdom started probably about uh, literally on the ground at business about uh, entrepreneurship and ministry about five years ago, but I've been doing it as a ministry for probably 15 years um, to, to actually be accurate with that. So it, it's, it's a, a ministry that I truly, truly love. Uh, it is part of my life. Still there? Marcia, are you still there? I think you kind of dropped off a little bit. Uh, I know Marcia's traveling on her destination to the house. Can you hear me, Marcia? Oh, she did drop off. Just want to remind everyone, she she's a uh, health coach, um, and she's going to get back on in a minute, but it is imp- oh here she is here let me see we got her back here hold on a second. 
technical, uh, Marcia, we got you little back. technical difficulty. Yeah, little technical difficulty there. Girl, and life goes on. Yes, ma'am. And life goes <laughs> and on. And life goes on. So we we have been really uh, dealing with young women, um, especially here lately on the dating scene, and and really getting themselves together for dating. We talk about how to get ready for husbands if they are dating and if they're not dating, how to just marry God basically anyway until the the dating process begins and how to just be in love with God and be in love with who you are as a person. We also deal with that. I'm an ambassador for self-esteem also. We we deal with the self-esteem of the woman. We deal with the the inward beauty that the outward beauty will will shine. So, you know, if if the inward beauty is in place, then the outward beauty will give a glow. So we deal with those things on so um, ISO Wisdom came about, and the Lord spoke the name to me, ISO Wisdom, uh, I-S-O-W-S-I-D-O-M. And what he was saying was, uh, he was showing me that we're pl- I'm planting seeds uh, in women's lives that they can bear fruit and that their fruit will, will grow up and that fruit that fruit would remain. So in that, we would, we're dealing with things like that, uh, dealt with uh, sexual abuse cases, with young women, um, actually was in court with one for two and a half years, and the Lord allowed us to be victorious with supervised supervision with uh, with the case. So that that was a blessing. And then we also deal with um, kingdom building, whether you're in church or out of church or or trying to get back in church, and how those principles line up with your life as as far as you being a Christian or a young woman in, in today's society. Uh, we've had models. We've had um, young wives uh, and also young people in college and just young women also in entrepreneurship. And we also get young women who are in entrepreneurship, and we get them started with finding out what their vision is, what their dreams is, or what their goals are, and align all those things in order so that they will know how to take those steps into entrepreneurship and which steps steps to take because a lot of people have dreams and they let their dreams die. Well, we try to catch those dreams and, and, and bring them alive so that they can move and prosper in their lives. So those are some of the things that we do and, and we're excited about it. And I know that I truly believe that is some good seed that you're sowing to, to young women that will build them up to receive a mate, to receive love or how to respect themselves because the respect they allow or the disrespect they allow passes down from generation to generation because those emotional feelings of unloved, not being respected, or thinking you're not worthy of being loved has a profound effect on the next generation of young children that they bear inside their wounds to bring up to the next generation that is so very true, Marcia. And a lot of, uh, in fact, almost every young woman that I've dealt with has had some self-esteem issues or um, denied themselves of even loving themselves. So that is so true. And and you can't choose a a, a helpmate unless you know who you are. And so those are some of the things we, right. we, we, we dig in to find out who you are and what's the baggage. What baggage are you carrying? What baggage can we you know, get rid of? Because you don't want to take a bunch of suitcases in, into the marriage, although we have done it, and especially our generation has done it all, uh, quite a bit in the past. But we want this, this, second mm-hmm. gener- this next generation not to have to carry that. So those are some of the things we really, really deal with a lot and dig in real deep in because we want them to feel that they are worthy 
of being who God has created them to be. And one of the, one of the favorite scriptures that I like is, um, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. How marvelous are, your, are, are the Lord's works? And our souls know it the right well. And that's one of the things we, we work with the young women on, getting to know that your soul does know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're not a mistake. You're not um, something that just came about. You are a God's creation, and he created you to be just who you are. And so all those gifts inside of you, he wants to wants to come to the forefront so that you can be the beautiful person that he created you to be. And even if people have told you that you're not, it's a lie straight from the pit of hell, I believe, because every single woman is beautiful and every single woman has worth. And that's one of the main things that we uh, we look at and make sure that that comes forth into the, into the lives of young people. So it's, it's just awesome to to be able to, to speak with them and, and even see how they flourish in, the, in their lives so, because God has a, a way of just making diamonds shine. You know, even if they've been discarded, diamonds still shine. I don't care if you put diamond in the sand. It's still, it's still going to glisten, glisten and, and show its okay. worth. So, so that's one of the things that we deal with. To me, every woman is a jewel. And, you know, find out what jewel you are because God created you to be that jewel and just shine. Whether you're in the muck and the mori clay, you can still <laughs> still be picked up out of that, and it's still going to have a shine to it. That that gemstone is still going to have a glistening to it, and that's and, and I, I use the terms of the jewels because women are resilient, and it takes a lot to break. Mm-hmm. And, and and with with using the gems, you can you can hit it, you can you know you can drop it, but you gotta really really have some serious force to crush it and and to the point where there is no self worth. So that's why I use the the, the terms as gems. They're gems. They're the gemstones, and they do shine. Right, right, and you, and I truly believe we have a lot of work to do, um, and you, and what you have to do you know, is so many young women who are broken, that don't feel loved, and that that uh, unacceptance of not being loved or betrayed, or um, not loved, passes down to the next generation, and you know it's so important for us to know how. I need. I didn't grow up. My parents weren't very nurturing. You know they love you, but a lot of times people show their love in different ways. Um, right. You know, some people, you know, being that provider. I, you know, I provided a roof over your head. I, I bought you clothes. <laughs> you didn't lack for nothing. You know, hey, you know. And then, and then you got those who really take time to sow into you to make sure your education there. Take time to read to you. Take time, and then we have to break that generational curse of not being loved or knowing how to show that love. And that's where you guys step in, you know, when you step in with your ministry and your um, your uh, health coach is teaching this young lady, okay, because you was raised this way, you don't have to continue this pattern. We can break this pattern. And Jesus Christ has given us the ultimate sacrifice to show us what that love is to give up his life for us. So now you you may have a life someday. So we have to make a sacrifice starting with you to make some changes within you and within your heart to say, let me identify what love looks like. And who, first of all, like you said, who, who am I? Identify who they are and let them know they are beautiful. They are that diamond. And once they feel that and they get that within themselves because we attract what's in us 
to us. So if we attract someone that's, uh, if we don't feel ugly or worthy, we're going to get that type of response from someone. They're not going to respect us or make us feel worthy. And and accepting anything. I remember mom's neighbor, Miss B, she was in her um, 90s. And she would always say, baby, you accept less, you get less. And what I saw wisdom is doing is teaching these young ladies how not to accept less. Is that right? So, so very, very true. And, it, and it's so interesting that you say that because what you are in the, in the mirror that you think you see is who you are going to attract to you. That's why we, we really deal with a woman who, you know, is picking up the wrong person in their lives or mm-hmm. allowing the wrong people to come into their lives. So we, we deal with that right. that portion of it also because that's so important. Mm-hmm. And in and, and mm-hmm. dealing with that, you will you will bring in uh, people who will wound you, people who will right. hurt you, people right. who will, you know, belittle you, people who will cause you not to live up to your full potentials. So that's one of the things that we look at and one of the things that we try to make sure that does not happen. And in doing so, it's amazing to see once the self-esteem is picked up, it's amazing to see how the choices are, are made differently. And and like you said, there are mothers who are not nurturing mothers. There Mm-mm. are mothers who, Mm-mm. you know, my mother was a little nurturing <laughs> at times, but she, she did the best that she could do. She was nurturing in the sense that she made sure we had food on the table, like you said, and your mother did, and she, but she wasn't the touchy, touchy mother. In fact, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One, of the, one of her statements is that uh, when I was born, I changed the course of the family because I was a expression person, and you can yes. probably hear that in I don't the, know, in the voice. Maybe that has something to do with our names, Marcia, because I'm the one in my family that's the touchy-feely expression person, always wanted hugs, and people always get on me because when I'm talking to someone, I'm always touching them. I touch people yes. when I talk. And yes. people say, oh, why are you, I've asked you, why are you touching me? I don't know. I, that's me. I touch, I hug, I feel. I touch on people, and, we, and you know, and I'm very affectionate. Mean, I'm always having, huh? Mm-hmm. We mean no harm, other than we we want you to know that we love you, and that we res- and we respect you when we touch you. But it's a part of our personality right. to just reach out because we're nurturers. Right. Exactly. Yes. 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 We are nurturers. I and I know that um, because I love um, sharing with people. I love giving. You know, and and that's just who I am. At one point in my life, I try to fight it. Because I said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to be giving. People just, talk, you know, they do me wrong, they do this and do that and do that. It ain't about them, it's about me. And I can't allow the gift that he allowed in me to be suffocated by other people's um, attitude because I'm accountable to what he's given me as a mom, as a, a grandma, and as a friend. And that is love, honesty, um I value people's Respect. friendship, so mm-hmm. that's who I am as an individual. Mm-hmm. And so once we okay with that, then you say, okay. And, I, you know, I watch Oprah a couple many times. I watch Oprah all the time. And uh, Maya Angelou told her, when people show you who they are, believe them. A lot of times we want to change people or make people to be what we want to be. And I've learned I wear size eight and a half shoes. 
I'm not going to go picking up a six and trying to wear that. Even though it exactly. may be cute, it may be stylish, but it's I'm not going to put my foot in the six. So a lot of times we put our foot in a relationship that's not a good fit for us, and it's painful in the beginning. But because right. we're used to pain, we gravitate back to what we're accustomed to. That and that's so the true. pain or rejection. And that is so true. And and Marsha, much much like you, I had to come to the to the understanding that I was okay with who I am because I was told a lot to, you know, why you gotta hug everybody? Why you wanna make sure everybody mm-hmm. all right? Why you always smiling? Well, that was who I was created to be. Correct. And at a season mm-hmm. and at a season in my life I tried to to stop it. I tried to back away from it. But I was so yep. miserable. It was yeah, like I was yeah. living in somebody else's body, you know, and it wasn't my own. Yeah. And, and and one day I just finally woke up, and, and I know it was the Lord because the Lord was ministering to me that I created you this way, and there's a reason I created you this way. And finally I got a grip on that, and I went back to being who I knew that I was created to be, and it, it blessed my soul because then I was free. I could fly because when you change from who you are, to try to fit society and to try to fit even family members, it clips your wings, and you cannot fly the way you need to fly. So, if you know, if if you don't want your wings clipped, and and it also brings on a sadness, especially when you're an outgoing person and you're trying to change all of that. You know, it it brings on some uh, some sadness in that because it's not the person God created you to be. Fearfully, wonderfully made. How marvelous are His works. He didn't make a mistake, <laughs> and our soul has got to know that. So once I grabbed hold of that, I began to live my life as who God said I was. Because when you don't, self-esteem hits you, depression hits you, uh, oppression hits you, and, and just the confidence of, of being able to go out and get what you are supposed to have in life and, and be who you're supposed to be, all of that will, will bombard you because you're not standing up being who you were created to be. So it's, it's something that we have to do, uh, get back to where we're supposed to be. And I did. It was a road of getting back. And, and even in my marriage, even, I thought, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be as outgoing. And I put that burden on myself, you know, because I'm such an outgoing person. But then I started not feeling good about that, and, 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 and I had to go back mm-hmm. to being who I am, even in a marriage, because sometimes we lose our identity in marriages. And it's not necessarily that it's the husband's fault, but we're, we're trying to fit in this little box of what everybody said a marriage is supposed to look like. So then right. you're not happy with the you're not happy with the with what you're doing as much as you would be happy if you were being yourself. So then that means you're not being the wife that you need to be, nor are you being the mother that you should be. So you yeah. you have to come come to grips and say, I'm gonna be who God created me to be. Regardless of and if it's not detrimental to you, if it's not uh you know, like you just ran off just sin, 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 or if it's not, you know, you're doing things illegal or something like that, if it's not hurting anybody and hurting yourself, then, and you're lined up with the word of God, then be who you are. Mm-hmm. Be who you mm-hmm. are and enjoy the skin that you live in. And I think being who you are, like you said, should line up with the character of God. Um, yes. Now you got so many people uh 
I want to do it my way or I can, this is me, this is my body, I can do it this way, I can do this, I can expose what I want. And that doesn't give him glory and it doesn't give you glory. So being able to carry yourself with dignity, with pride, and with beauty like a queen should be. You know, a queen carries her head high and she floats and you can see the value of who she is. You can see her self-worth in her. She understands the value of her position as a queen, as a mother. And that is so important for us to get back, especially in our community. And I applaud what you're doing with these young women because we've had a couple of them on the show previously. And, man, I'm, you know, as a mom, you just sit back when you know your child is doing something. You see them up there singing and performing and you've seen your child do their best, and you know they work their best, and you just smile and glean at them because it just makes your heart fill with joy to see, that's mine, that belongs to me. And that's what Christ wants to say when he sees us operating in the spirit that he allowed the Holy Spirit to leave here to help us to be that virtue woman, that virtue mother for our children to raise up the next generation. And that's a hard job. And especially today, we got a lot of moms doing this by themselves, mainly because we accept relationships according to the flesh, not the spirit. Been there, done that. And, you know, we've made so many mistakes in our lives, but when you learn no better, you do better. And that's what I wanted to share. But we have to know how to take the next generation of mothers, the newer, the millennium generation and the next generation. And there's some mothers out there that are very good. I've had some midwives on. I had some doulas on. I met so many beautiful young moms um, on my journey with Yesterday's Kitchen for Today and for your help of Blog Talk Radio. And they are very loving. They're very nurturing. They're very... um, engage in their children's education, making sure their kids come up with the quality of life, a better life that they want for themselves, that they have for themselves. And I, I applaud these young moms. But we have a big generation of young people who's not getting that. And we can see, you know, even when we go around um, in various stores. I I was in the Walmart the other day picking up some things and um, – and the Walmart, it just was, oh, my God, it was full. But the lady was calling and saying all kind of crazy things to her children. So we have to know how to talk to our children. And that's where Marsha talks about I saw wisdom and giving these ladies a foundation in the beginning. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Um, I think Marsha dropped off for a minute, and we'll come right back. No, I'm still on, here. Um, I'm still here. Oh, you see there? Okay, perfect. Uh-huh. We're on the D-Hour Network. We'll be right back. We're going to take a uh, break, and uh, we'll come back and finish talking about the mothers and sowing good seeds to the next generation of mothers, okay? All right, we'll be right back.
You're back on the D-Hour Network. This is your host, Marsha Thaddison, and I have my guest with me, Marsha Dixon, and I, Soul Wisdom, um, health live health coach. Um, Marsha, before we went to the break, we were talking about mothers, and I want people to understand, you know, usually on Mother's Day, and that's, uh, you've had people say, you know, my mom, I, I love my mom, she's wonderful, my mom is this, my mom is that. And that is so true. And uh, we salute those moms who made sacrifices for their children to accomplish their dreams. But we want to be able to reach the next generation of young mothers to help them to build up their self-esteem and acknowledging who they are as individuals so we can have a next generation of positive, love, secure young people. And, And it starts with us. And not just, you know, I'm because it's Mother's Day, we got Father's Day coming up in June, and we're going to talk about the importance of the father in June. We'll have something um, regarding the, the men and having them speak to us about their relationship with their children because them being the head. But I truly believe in the Bible we looked at Adam and Eve. Eve, um, Satan went after the woman, and he went after her because of the power that she holds, the life that she holds. And he went after her to trick her to eat a fruit or something that our Heavenly Father told her not to eat. And the woman has control of the food that we eat from the time, even when we're in the mother's womb, that woman has control of what that fetus is taking in. She has control of the food that she prepared for her family. Uh, So we're very powerful. A woman is very powerful. So we want to be able to have us take a look at it from that perspective. You know, as a little girl going to church on Mother's Day, I don't know if they still do this, Marsha. Do many of the churches wear the flowers on their lapel to indicate a red flower meant your mother was living and a white flower meant your mother was deceased. And you used to see that throughout the – do churches still do that today? Yes, okay. some churches and still do most, that. Not not all of them, but some of them still uh, pay regards to the to the mother who is left, and also to the mother who's alive. Mm-hmm. 
they right. still do that. And I, you know, and okay. See, I have, I have the churches now. They so mega church. We don't even see that. And you got a generation of young people who never knew that even exists or that happened. You know, when you went to church, mm-hmm. or it was a way to honor your mother, whether she was living or deceased, by putting that right. flower on your lapel to give homage to your uh, your mother. So, yeah, I was just wondering, do people still do that? And talking about the woman and uh, food and birth and baby, that I truly believe that's why the enemy targeted us. And that's what you mentioned when you, you and I were talking intimate. It's between his seed and her seed. There was going to be a battle. And that it her seed was going to win. Right. to bring in life. Through her. Can you hear me? But I think you kind of dropped off again okay. a little bit. Can you hear me now? I Hello? can. I can. I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Yes. You hear. You're loud and clear. But go ahead. Okay. I was saying that Satan knew that the woman had a, a seed, was going to be able to bring in seed that was going to bring in the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. he has always had enmity against the woman because he knew that when that seed comes in, it was shortening his time and it was shortening his authority. And because of the mm-hmm. power of of Jesus Christ coming into the world, then it was going to cause a uh, conflict with Satan because he knew he he was mm-hmm. not going to have any any way to reign over him. And so. Woman's seed mm-hmm. is so important, but sometimes we take that for granted, just how powerful the woman is in carrying that seed in her in her belly for nine months. And the other thing, too, is right. you know, history has shown and studies have shown that when a woman is pregnant, the, the of course, the umbilical cord is, is what helps to feed, but, but also everything that that woman is going through, that baby feels. The baby feels Amen. whether she's yes. whether she's having a good day or whether she's having a bad day or what you know if she's not nourishing herself yes. properly. Yes. What, what did you say, Marcia? Yes. Yeah. If, if, she, if she's yes. not nurturing herself properly, all that affects the child. And so we want our children to grow up to be as healthy as possible. So we encourage our mothers to to do the right thing and and to to really be who they're supposed to be for their for their children. Especially while they're and, in the and, womb, and then, and then even after. Right, and that's called you know I was looking at a, a study called cellular memory, where people were getting heart transplant of other individuals, and that's because your cells and your um, um, your your organs have memory. So the memory, if this child is growing up, if you're you walking around angry, frustrating, crying, that's all going into the cellular memory of that baby. And that's why, you know, it's important to be calm, to be in a a healthy state of mind when you're speaking, and even the environment, because they can hear outside the womb. That's why you have those microphones now for your belly to give the baby some calm music. And I remember watching Yes. That's what I was going to say. There was a Chinese family. The father would read the encyclopedia to um, just go through it, get a gravel encyclopedia and just read while the children was in the womb. And he's reading to his wife's belly. 
every last one of his children graduated from college at the age 13 or 14. They were super, super, super smart children. Isn't it awesome? And, and, and in the same regard, Marsha, yes, in the same regard, we can feed our children the word of God while they're in the belly. Woo. We can, you know, we can, we can read the Bible to them. And they will have knowledge of the Bible by the time they're born. They won't sound foreign to them. It won't sound like it's, you know, a cliche or a quote or anything. But they will know that this is, this is something that has been read to me even in my belly. They'll, they'll know it even though they might not know when they first had the inkling of knowing it. But that word will saturate their minds and their spirit before mm-hmm. they even come out. And even even to the protection of the child, of, of teaching them you know, mm. uh, right and wrong. Speak right and wrong to that belly. You know, baby, I don't mm-hmm. want you, you know, when you grow up, I want you to be such and such. I want you to be this. I want you to be that. You know, begin to proclaim in the belly what this child will be because it's important that us as mothers live, live out what God has called us to be. And that is to be nurturers yeah. for our children and to be providers right. for our children and to raise them up. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he shall not depart from it. It's over in Proverbs. So it's important that that, that is, um, you know, actually dealt with at early age and even in the womb. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you put me in remind me. I was just reading in uh, Matthew when um, – Zechariah was in Matthew or Mark. Zechariah went in, he went into the high priest. He was a high priest. Mm-hmm. Went into the temple mm-hmm. to give an incense, and angel Gabriel told him his wife Elizabeth was going to have a baby. He didn't believe it, so the right. angel closed his mouth. And when Mary Gabriel went to Mary to say you're going to have a baby, and she said let it be according to that word, and instant she was filled with the Holy Spirit inside before conceiving. Conception That's came right. with the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And when That's she right. walked into Elizabeth's home and spoke, the Holy Spirit filled that John the Baptist then inside the womb. So we have some talented, smart young men and women that God's going to bring through some of these young women's wombs. Yes. That's going to be men and women for God. But if you're yes. speaking the wrong words and taking them in the wrong direction, that fulfillment is answering Satan's call, not God's call. So it's important for young women and mothers to know how vital your your wound is. You are for the next generation and to bring life and to be a vessel for the Almighty, even for that child that's not in your womb yet, but will that's be. Right. That's right. We can even talk about Hannah. Hannah, uh, one who cried out to the Lord because she didn't have a child, and she would, and the priest thought she was drunk because she was crying out to the Lord. So, yeah. and and and, but yet not moving her mouth. It's kind of like Zechariah. Uh, he he, his mouth got shut up, but her, she was crying out to the Lord <laughs> so that the priest, <laughs> where the priest felt like, okay, something is wrong with you. Have you been drinking or something? And it was so interesting because she was just crying out to the Lord and and moaning for a child. And the Lord answered her prayer and gave her Samuel. And she had made the Lord a promise that if if the Lord gave her Samuel, she would give him back to the Lord. And as soon as she finished winging the baby off of, off of breast milk, then she literally took the child and gave it to the, to the priest, sure the high priest, that he would be raised yes. with them. 
So, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's a sacrifice that we as mothers have to make. Um, it, well, she made an ultimate sacrifice, you know, greater than probably I could have done just, you know, just say, okay, take the baby. But it, it's right. quite interesting right. how she did that and, and how Samuel grew up to be such a an awesome a man of God. So, it, you know, when we look at motherhood and we look at the way mothers are to raise their children and the way mothers are trying to raise their children, because I truly believe there are a lot of mothers out there who are trying to do the right thing and are and, and, and are going off of what they know and what they have in the house to supply for their children. So I don't I don't believe it's a whole gamut of women who just who just out there just saying, you know what, let the child just raise himself. I don't care anything about it. Because once you look that baby in the face, it's something about never getting rid of that face. And and I know what that feels like. I have stepchildren. I lost a baby. And when I looked at my baby in the face, I can still tell you exactly how it looks today, even though he died. So, and that's been wow. years ago. It's been years ago. I wow. can tell you everything about him. But, so I know with with motherhood, you, once you look that baby in the face, once you look your baby in the face, you know that child. And you will know them for the rest wow. of your life. So the power yeah. of knowing your child and even knowing somewhat of what your child will be. My mother used to say all the time, in fact, that we tried to get her on tonight. She's 80 years old, and she was like, I'm not coming on that radio show. I'm not, a, I'm not <laughs> an outdoor person. <laughs> but you know I love you. So it's, it's those kinds of things that, you know, when we look at motherhood, it's, it's the, the joy of of holding the baby in, in your arms and being able to nurture something that belongs to someone that belongs to you, someone that God gave you authority over to to mold and shape, and I believe that I believe we really need to understand the truth of that. We are molders and shapers of a little bitty personality, and that is exactly. so awesome. And you know, and we get to shape, and, and Father gets to shape it too. Yet a lot of times the the, the child spends a the first informative years, a lot of times with the, with the mother. Fathers are really doing uh, even greater with their children as far as spending more time with them because they're, they're understanding the power of that even the more, and yet they were having to be the providers, not necessarily saying that they didn't want to be there, but they were just being providers. So, but, uh, and as we look at that, and I about that, the mother gets to nurture, the mother gets to, to shape it. The mother, I, I'll tell you an example of something. It was seven of us, and my father was a minister, so we didn't get paid much. Uh, he didn't get paid much. A lot of times what he got paid with in those days when they had a pastor's appreciation was canned goods. They would put canned goods all around his feet, and that was, that was his appreciation. And sometimes that was his pay during the week, you know, because it was much that people had. And we were so grateful for it because our families ate, and we were able to even bless other families. But my mother would do something, and she had so much wisdom. And the mothers of the family back then had so much that we need to go back and grab. She would... Because it was so many of us, and we didn't have much, and she we couldn't go to the dentist, you know, and, and yet she wanted to take care of our teeth, and she wanted to principles about certain things had to be right, certain things had to take up for because your teeth. So what she would do when we were small, and and some of us had messed up teeth, but what she would do. As soon as our teeth 
got in our mouth, and we got a, a good bit in our mouth, uh, the 32 or whatever, almost the 32, she would take her finger early in the morning, and she would place her finger in our mouth. And because the teeth are weaker early in the morning when we wake up, and they move really. That's what she used to tell us. I'm just saying what she used to say. I can't statistically say or or pull up a study about that, but there must have been some truth to this. I'm just talking mother wisdom now. I'm not talking. So somebody might come back and say, "Oh, that might not be true," but I'm I'm telling you what she told me. We're gonna call that. That's what. That's what. That's what she said. Okay. All right. I hear. So what she would do is she would put her finger, her index finger, in our mouth. And she would curve it, and she would shape our teeth. Now, strangely enough, out of seven children, only a few of us had some um, a little gap or something like that. But like double teeth. No. Yeah, you breaking in and out again. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. If, I know you are. You still in the country, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. Okay. Can, can you hear, hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's, I can. Strange, I was saying, as strangely as it sounds, out of seven children, there might have been two that needed dental, a little bit of dental work from her shaping our teeth every morning. And, and she I would give us bacon soap. Wow. Yes. And bacon soap alkaline. That's good. Yes. Yes. And it helps your teeth stay nice and white, too. But, you know, yes. I always say this. Our grandparents and our mothers and our great-grandparents, they didn't have the science behind them. They didn't have the uh, um, the education behind them, but they had that old wisdom. They, they had that the old wisdom. wisdom of love. And they said, baby, let me do you. And, you know, everybody talk about the cow liver oil, taking how mama give you the cow liver oil or the castor oil to clean you out. They had some type of wisdom that they learned from their mothers that was passed down yes. and passed yes. down. And, and that's that. why yesterday – say it again? Go back. Yeah, I know, you're breaking up again. Okay, can you hear me? How about that? I can. The beauty – Good. The beauty, the beauty of that, even with the shaping of the teeth, that was so small. But that was there. That was the beginning stages of even shaping our our personalities, because mm-hmm. she knew that if we had bad teeth, then the so right. They couldn't. They didn't go in a book and say, okay, this is the way it was supposed to be. They just took on what was passed down to them, and they made the best of it. And I just I thank God for her because I have I have beautiful teeth, so mm-hmm. I, I really believe she did a good job in that in shaping our lives. And and she used to say, and see, mothers knew their children so much. My mother used to say all the time, "I've got seven children, and all seven of them have different personalities, and all seven of mm-hmm. them are independent leaders." She didn't lie about wow. that. <laughs> She was speaking into your lives, yeah. She was speaking yeah. into our lives, and when I look now at everything that we are doing, we were independent leaders. So she spoke things into us that was so important and so um, so timely that it, it shaped our lives just as she was shaping our teeth. 
So mm-hmm. I just truly believe that God has put motherhood here, mothers here to, to do just that. And we have all types of mothers, and we can't disregard any of them. Exactly, and exactly. And, you know, and each mother and the child is not a mistake. They were all written and designed by God. Your mom is not your mis- a mistake. And even if she's giving you up for um, at birth, I remember when I worked for uh, this company called Deluxe Check Printing Company in New Berlin. And um, the church I was attending asked me to do a Mother's Day presentation, to speak on Mother's Day. And I was talking to my coworker, her cubicle was next to mine, so we're sitting there chit-chatting. And I said, oh, i got to write this presentation, the speech for church on Mother's Day. And she turned to me, she said, I don't know why everybody make a big deal of Mother's Day. Not everybody's a mother. And I said, you're right, not everybody is a mother. And she goes to say that her mom had given her up for um, adoption, and she was adopted out. And I said, well, how was your adopted mom? She said she was okay. And I said, you know, and I kind of pondered about that when I um, went to do my presentation at the church. And I got up and I spoke about my mom and how important she was to me because one thing I can say about my mom, any door uh, opportunity that we wanted to soar through, she was there to make sure we did it. I used to do singing competitions and all these other different things, uh, sign up for stuff. She would come up with the money for me to register. She would come up with the clothing for me to be there, uh, charm school, whatever I wanted to do. She wanted us to fulfill our dream, and she, she did it. You know, she provided that resource for us to do what we wanted to do to soar. And I was giving homage to my mom because she was living at the time. And But during my presentation, I said, I, I stopped and paused. I said, you know, but we want to give homage to the woman who gave birth, but to the mother who raised that child. That You don't have to give birth, physical birth, to love and nurture that child the way God designed that child to be loved and nurtured. One lady had another job to do, and that's to give the birth, and the other one had to do is to love and raise them. And so we have to, you know, honor that because it was God's plan because it happened. After I finished doing that, I had this lady come up to me crying, saying that because she had not given birth, she felt she missed out. But it was a confirmation because every day Mother's time Mother's Day come, people talk about their mothers and raising them, what it was like and things like that. And she always felt that missing part of giving birth, pushing that baby through a birth canal or having that child. But no, loving that child and giving birth to that child in a spiritual sense, in in an emotional sense, is more powerful than anything, you know. Moses' mom gave birth to him, but he was raised up in um, in the Pharaoh's king's houses, you know. So I think it's important for the moms who are adopting children, who have foster children, who have taken time to nurse and love these kids. I think it's so important, too. So we want to give them homage to say, you know what, we celebrate you 
the child did not come through your womb, but it comes through your soul and your heart. And that we say, thank you, you know, because we need to nourish our children. So, oh, hold on. I, um, I, I dropped, Marcia dropped off again here. Are you back on okay. here, kiddo? Yes, I am. Yes. yes. I said yeah. the, the beauty but, you know, of that is God gives grace to the, to the mother who yes. has not gone through the birth canal, that the child has not gone through the birth canal, because every single woman that is on this earth that has the capabilities of nurturing and raising a child also has the capabilities of being a good mother to someone who does not have a mother or someone who has um, been discarded from their mother or disconnected from their mother. And I've seen so many cases of, of people who are who are so nurturing, and, and so much so, uh, remember I said I have stepchildren now, and people ask me, and they look at them, and they're like, they look like you. Is this your daughter? Or people will walk up and say, is this your daughter? Is this your son? Because they look so much <laughs> like you. <laughs> and when you nurture children like that, they will begin to, to bring on your characteristics and look, you know, bring on some similarities with you. So I get that all the time with my children. And if you notice, I say my children because they're not my stepchildren. Mm-hmm. They are my children. And that is so important yeah. that they feel that they're not a step. Oh, mm-hmm. But they are. They are very present in the family as children and as your, as your daughter and as your son versus your stepchild. And, I, you know, I, I like to just disregard that statement sometimes and say, you know what, these are my children. They're not my stepchildren. They're my children. And that's the way I introduce them. Yeah. This is my daughter. This is my son. Because we're part of that nurturing of, of their character and, and who they will be in the future. And I just love it. I just love it. I thank God that he graced me to even have two. And then, as my husband says all the time, uh, how many more daughters have you gotten so far? Because people latch <laughs> on to me to, and say, uh, will, you, will you help mother me? You know. So he's like, okay, you're another one? Okay. Every time she leaves and comes back, she's got another one. So I don't know how many we got. <laughs> but that's one of the things God gave me when he, he spoke to me, even though I did not uh, wasn't able to, to keep my son, he spoke to me and he said to me, you will mother nations. And I took that literally. Wow. I took that literally. And I love the fact wow. that women can, I love the fact that women can come together and, and, and be able to pour into young people's lives and pour into, and I, I tell you a fascinating story. When I lost my son, I knew I was losing my son and my girlfriend was pregnant at the same time. And she was having a child also. I was having a boy and she was having a girl. And I remember uh, about the time we were in the hospital and I was uh, about to, to give birth to my son and, and they said that he might not make it. And she said to me, my daughter is your daughter. My children Aww. are your children. And then my sister turned around and said the same thing about her daughters. And they've held it true to that to this day. They're they're like my children. So, you know, I just thought that was so beautiful that their love, their love was so strong that they were able to share in the raising of, you know, of the raising of their children. They didn't mind me to raise their children. And I just love the fact that they, that they had that kind of love for me, but also had enough love in their heart even to know that their children would be okay with me. 
So I just thank God for that. That is so beautiful. That is awesome. (laughs) I love God. I just love the way he does it. And I think it's so important for moms, you know, and even young women, when you're in a relationship, like you said, and you ha- the guy has children, I think it's also important for that man to make sure he brings those families together and not let us be divided, you know, uh, have children right. and not bring them together to let them know that, baby, okay, mom and daddy's not together, but now I'm marrying but mm-hmm. we, we also still love you. You're going to be a part of this family. We love and nurture you instead of having the jealousy and the envy, but right, learning how right. to nurture and love each other. So a woman has a, a big responsibility in giving life, nourishing life, because for your health, that can mess so many people up, not being loved, being rejected, feeling in, inferior or insecure, can send mm-hmm. people off on a tantrum that you would never even imagine. And the enemy used those two those two doors, insecurity and inferiority, that That's I'm right. not loved, I'm not accepted, and send you down a, a pathway with drugs, alcohol, um, being permissivist with sex, all kinds of things to be accepted, to fill that void. But that void is only meant to be filled with Yeshua, our Heavenly Father. That's right. That's right. His love, his grace is the only thing that can fill it. No man, no woman, no job, no car, no clothes, none of that would do. And many people have said that on their rise to success. And even now we can look at Hollywood and those people have – the job, the fancy home, but the drugs, the alcohol, that void is still there. It's nothing that can fill that but the love of Jesus Christ. And that's, that is so important for young women to know and to learn that. We're going to take another break. You're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marcia Thaddison and this is Marcia Dixon, and we're talking about nurturing um, the moms for the next generation so we can have healthy, healthy babies and healthy moms so we're making good choices about our love life, about our family, and the people we allow to be in. So we'll be right back on the DL Network.
You're back on the Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Thaddison, and today is Mother's Day, and we want to wish every mother's mothers happy Mother's Day. Um, we're talking about Mother's Day from a different perspective, um, morally from the perspective of new moms having babies, the importance of how that mental as well as emotional well-being of that baby is linked to the mom. I know Marsha's been having some trouble with her phone, girl. I we be here now. <laughs> you know that's, that's you know what that's that's the advantage of country life. You just have everything out there, just kind of easy. You don't have many cell phones and all that kind of like stuff going on back there. I, I might but, have you know, a <laughs> yes, you know my my desire is to move out the city and get into the country. So okay, you guys are where I want to be. All right, uh, I forgot where I left off a little bit, but kind of share with us some more things about the importance of mothers and their nurturing their children, especially for this millennium, this millennium generation. You know, we're so consumed with our cell phones. Um, Selfie, Facebook page, imaging. Uh, and you know, another thing that um, I was thinking about is a lot of people post everything on Facebook the baby's birth, everything like that. And I, some is cute, you know, happy birthday, all this other stuff. I, I, and I guess that's the new, I don't know what it is, um, birthday party or what? I don't know. Yes, it's the new wave of things. I, I feel like if you're going to post things like that on Facebook or Instagram, you should have a proper page, and that page should be only family or, or your close friends. That way you're protecting the, the child themselves because there's, there's too much out there. There's too many predators out there today, and we need to protect that child, even as a young child. And even as the child is growing up, I, I truly believe that Facebook is, is not a bad thing and Instagram is not a bad thing or, or even Internet, but it's how we use it. So my suggestion and what I tell um, the girls that I mentor is to make sure that you are putting what you want someone to see and make sure it's on a private page. Don't blast that child out there because as they grow up, those pictures are still out there and everything else is still out there. And they might have, they, they might be an introvert child and they don't want all that stuff out there after they get wrong or be embarrassed about it. But, it, and, you know, you can celebrate your child, but you don't have to put everything out there. And, and I would say the same thing for mothers, period, because we have a tendency – uh, to to discuss everything on the internet on, on Facebook, we have a tendency to you know to discuss our businesses, to discuss our marriage, to discuss you know what we ate today, what we and, and that's okay if you have a professional page and it's your page by yourself. But any but what you want to be careful of is that you're not putting too much information out there that can uh, come back at you if you don't want that information out there later on in life because cyberspace holds things and, and, and people can pull up things. One of the things we, we tell young people too is as you, even as a mother or even as a young person, when you're, when you're filtering all your business before the world, then you've got to be concerned about the next job that you're going to have too because now they, they check exactly. that Facebook page. They check that your Instagram as a part of your interview. So it's important that you only put out there what's, 
what you want to be seen by everybody. I'm just not that exactly. kind of person to, to put all of that out there. No, no. And, 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 then, and then what it does, too, is it, it allows feedback a lot of times. And some feedback you don't even want, especially if you've got people who are not telling you how to raise your child in the correct manner. Because then you're, you're listening to things that you think should be right, and it, sometimes it's not the, the best for your child. So you have to be careful in so, that way also. So Facebook has become, and to some people, the new village, the, the new village or the new family or I don't know, you know, what that is. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. But, you know, people go out on Facebook to get information about their children, their faith. Uh, I don't know, but that's how they're doing it today. So that's the new village. Marsha, that's the new village. That's the new community. Uh, and, and that's what I mean. And everybody out there can have a say-so. And uh, that's the part that I, I'm not in agreement with because I don't need uh, a thousand viewers uh, to tell me, oh, something your child did was funny or that it wasn't funny that I put out there on Facebook. And, and, and part of it is we're going into a society that wants popularity, wants to be noised abroad, wants the fame of. And so it's popular to get all those hits on your Facebook or on your Instagram. You know, you got this many followers, you got that many followers. But when it comes to raising children, it needs to be a tight community because the child, as, it, as the child grows up, they need to know that they have people who they can count on, not people who are on Facebook that they're, you know, that's, that's tweeting in and, and doing all this, and you don't even know who they are. But they need to know that that community is really, really solid. There's a, there's a, um, I just saw a little sitcom, a, a movie the other day, and I don't know how, I'm, I'm not going to um, address the name of it, but it was about family, and it seems that, that the community was rallying around whoever would stay in this, uh, whoever's in this apartment building, they said you were considered family. Well, that's the way it used to be when we were in communities growing up in our era of time because your mother raised you correctly, and the mother next door raised their children in the way that they thought they should be raised also. But the, the beauty of the motherhood in, in those communities was everything was common. You, you were taught right from wrong. You were taught you had to be home by the time the streetlights came on. You were Girl. taught that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got in trouble just a little bit, but not much because I knew to be home. And, and I had the fear of um, of my mother in me. Mm-hmm. So I would try to do basically what she said, and we'll deal with that later. But it, there was a fear and there was a reverence of the mother because she was raising yeah. you in the right way. And you knew that she loved you. And the, and the mother next door, you knew that she loved you. And the mother down the street, you yeah. knew that she loved you. So it was a radiance. Of, sometimes it was a radiance of three blocks that you can go in because they knew that that house that you were going to, it, it told you that you could go and you left at 4 o'clock. And, and if you weren't there by 4.30 and they called and you weren't there, then the whole neighborhood was, was ringing the phone. And sometimes they didn't even have Amen. to call. Because 
The mm-hmm. neighborhood knew how far you could go. The mothers in the neighborhood knew how far you could go. And so what they would do is when they see you walk out the door, if you weren't going in the direction that you would normally go, they would pick up the phone and call your parents. They would call that mother. Mm-hmm. And so I saw so mm-hmm. walking down the street, and she was, did you send her to the store somewhere else? Yes. And then that mother mm-hmm. knew, hey, this is, this is, my child is out of order. So I've got to I've got to get her right. back to where she or, or him back to where they're supposed to be because it was like a they I call agree. it a neighborhood watch now but it was a na- it was a a mothering watch is what was going on and they had right. signals they literally had signals yep. they were they could sit on the porch and just look at you and you knew okay I'm yes. not go down that street because she's watching and she's yep. gonna call mom exactly and you, and you know it has Right. We have a caller, and I want her to share her story as a mom raising her children. Hi, caller. State your name and what city are you from? Um, my name is Joanne Johnson, and I'm uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, I'm in Atlanta. Hey, Gwen, how you doing? Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Well, right. Come I, I, share you know, with us I, I, your journey. Well, I uh, I, I was uh, listening to Marcia uh, speak, and I also, you know, my theme is raising the child in the way to go, you know, in the Lord, and that that's what's going that's what it's going to take to you know to make a change in this world, you know, is you know raising the children up in the way you know they should go, and you know, and I I believe that's a, got a lot to do with the way the world is today, you know. And, and <laughs> Do you have a, I'm sorry, my mom, my mom, I, I have a story about my mom. My mom, she was, you know, she was pretty strict on us. She had uh, uh, 12 children and and we all, you know, she we, we were pretty well raised uh, for years since I was about seven years old as a single parent. She was a single parent. She had twelve children. Oh wow! Uh huh. Well, twelve children. A single mom. It's what? Yes, she was single. <laughs> she, she was. Wow. A, she was. She was. Uh, my father. She left. He left us uh, when um, I was about seven years old, and uh, so she was raising her us by herself. <laughs> I think she did a wonderful job, you know, raising her children. Wow. You know. We all, you know, did pretty good in life, and um, but she was a woman that was always in the, you know, she raised us up in the fear of the Lord, and and she always, uh, you know, she was pretty strict. Now she had a little area that we couldn't go cross the line. So if we went cross that line, we were going to be in trouble. <laughs> so right, she was a right. she was a, really a strong, a strong woman. And she made sure that you know, you know, we did what we were supposed to do, and uh, you know, she just taught us the right way. And I believe that's going to be the key in these children coming up in yes. a way. Yes. Yes. That's you know, that's going to be leaders and you know, better. Uh, you know, but you have to get that. You have to get that training, though. You got to make sure. You know, you get that training that you need, you know, as you're growing up. So you, 
so they will be able to go out there and do what their purpose is. And and I believe if you mm-hmm. get that in life, that would make a big difference. You know. Right. I I, yeah. I stand in agreement with you. I stand in agreement with you 100 percent because. We have a new generation, and it grieved my heart to see so many of our young men and women, especially here in Atlanta, being arrested, you know, doing things, caught on camera doing things. There's no way, you know, 12 children, your mom would allow your kids, her children to be in trouble and doing the things that they're doing today. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom would, oh, no, 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 no. It, It even Think about it. We didn't even that didn't even cross our mind to go in that direction. So mm-hmm. it, uh, we have to do a better job and and support like Marsha has. I so wisdom is be that support, be that village. But we got a lot of young people. Um, Marsha, I think we have some. Uh, would you, if I bring your mic on, if you can turn something in the background. I heard a lot of background uh, noise. So I'm going to have all three mics on so we all three can have a conversation. But, um, Marsha, you got a lot of generation of young people that don't want to listen. Uh, you can't give them any advice. They don't want no advice regarding their children. Well, and I we think, Marsha, do you have some background music or noise going on, a television or something? No, I don't. Uh, Joanne, do you have something on? No, I have uh, everything that's silent here. Okay, all right. I, I don't thought have I heard some noise. I'll give some back. Okay, okay. All right, it's quiet now. I don't know whether it's some backlash or what. But what about the generation? How do we reach these young women? It's hard to reach some of these young women that don't want to take advice. Um, don't want to listen, and you see them rearing your children in a way that they will reap. They're gonna, they're gonna be tearing up and crying about their child because they're not listening. Well, I think we need a little bit. We need to go back a little bit because you got to remember that a lot of these young women who are having children and the generation that we see now. We're latchkid children themselves. We just call them latchkid children, where their parents were working all the time, and they all they could, they, you know, they were left at home by themselves. So, when you look at that, where the mothers had to work because they were single parents and leaving them there and they raised themselves, then they don't know sometimes, or they don't have the the um, the adequate tools to raise their children the way that they that we know that they should be raised or the way that they even feel that they could be raised because they weren't raised themselves in that way. So you've got at least two generations of latchkey children, and so that's part of what we're seeing in society today because they are raising themselves. So, yes, our norm is not their norm, and it's not going to be their norm unless we gather them in into the villages, into the communities, and, and begin to pour into them. Some some children don't want to act the way they're acting, but they know no other way. I agree. So I agree. So we have to we have to be the the mothers who say and have to be bold enough. And I know that's sometimes fearful, but I've had to say to children that I've seen doing something yes. wrong, and trust me, yes. you have to be led by the spirit with this, okay? And and I will walk over to them and say, you know, uh, can you answer me? What? Was there a reason you did that? And they will be like, well, or they're cursing or something. And I've walked up and said, do you have to do that? Are there some other words you can use? 
and, you know, just yeah. real nice and politely. And, and I've had some to just stop and think and say, I'm sorry. You know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they I, will apologize. Yes. Yeah, they will apologize. So that to me mm-hmm. says that they have some characteristics of what, what's right and what's wrong. They have some knowledge of that. And they're trying to, to bring in, you know, they're trying to walk in some of those characteristics of rightness. But when wrong has been placed in the community so much, and there's so many gray areas now, and nothing, nothing is black and white anymore as far as, you know, you knew this was wrong, you knew that was wrong. We still know what's wrong. We still know it. But with them, there's right. a gray area. So they're operating in that gray area. And so when they get pulled over, when they get in trouble, when they're robbing banks or, or doing all of that, well, Marcia, you know, we can always go back to the food also. But when they're, yep. also when they're doing that, a lot of it is because they were raised, they were raising themselves. So we've mm-hmm. got to get back and, you know, to safety. And now we were Latin kids, kids, because Mama had worked at VA hospital, and she had to be at work at um, 4 o'clock in the morning. So she's out there on the bus, taking a bus early in the morning, and my dad was working. So we let ourselves in. But, you know, the thing is, we had this, the neighbors would watch us. We said, well, we, we back here, you know, we didn't even, we did what we had to do. We had to do the dishes. We had to have the food That's warmed right. up, whatever. But but we have responsibility, and you better have that thing taken care of. If you had dishes or you put warm that food up, you better have had that done. And, and like I said, do you see the difference in that, Think out of it. That but do you see the difference in that? The difference is we have the fear of our mothers inside of us. Ooh, girl. Yes. And so we knew just how far to go. And not to mention, we always felt like our parents had such, our mothers had such intuition that they knew what we were going to do before we were going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, so we would fear that. We had, we had a righteous fear of our, of our mothers because they walked that chalk line and, the, and because they yeah. showed us this is right and this is wrong. Today we don't have that chalk line or that plumb line of dividing right from wrong. So the the the, the middle area is so you know east side is so muddy for them for the young people today that they just cross back and forth the line. Now, we knew and you know, we knew we had those chores done and we we had a schedule. We not to cut you off, but we had a schedule because. On Thursday, we went to choir rehearsal. We had this. We had a schedule of what we were doing, and we didn't deviate. It unless Mama said we can do that. We said Sunday school. We had church. We had usher board meeting. We had we boom. She kept us busy with the church. Then we stayed busy with social things in the community. Then you know uh, school things too. So we weren't just hanging out. We were actually involved in church. Mm-hmm. And at home. Exactly, Marsha. Exactly. And the other thing, too, that we, you have to look at is is not only were we involved, but they were there with us as much as they could. Yeah, they had to work sometimes, yeah. but they were there also. Or you had a neighbor who was there watching out for you. There's that community again. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that, yeah. that was different in our era and time, and it's funny because they're bringing in these new cook things now, but we also ate good food. My mother ran yeah. five deep freezers or three deep freezers in a, a refrigerator when we were growing up, and she she nourished us off the food of the earth. She didn't go to the grocery store unless it was for milk 
or, or something like that. But everything else came from butcher places or or from uh, from fruit stands and vegetable stands. Or, or we went out in the summertime, and my mother had us on, we talk about a schedule, in the summer, don't think you're going to go just lollygag in the summer. You had to go, we would have to go to the country, and we, we didn't live in the country then, but we would have to go to the country and do harvesting of the people that we knew would plant and it was six in their, well, eight in their family and um, nine in my family. So the families would get together in the summertime, and we would put up the corn. We would put up the peas. We would put up the, you know, we would shuck corn. We would peel peas and, 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 and all of that. And and in those little small houses, and we thought those houses were huge because we were small and because we were having fun. Uh, I didn't like the work part of it, but, it, you know, it was what it was. I'm not. I'm not still not into to picking as much as I probably should be, uh, as uh, peas and things like that. But all of those foods were good foods, and they put that food in the freezer that we would have food for the rest of the year. So we were fed different. Also, I didn't know hamburger, fast food hamburgers, until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Because you on Friday night you either ate fish. And on Saturdays, you yep. had burgers, homemade burgers from good ground beef, you know, grass-fed ground mm-hmm. beef. So it helped our bodies to produce what it needs to produce to keep our minds the way that they should be. You know, it strengthened our minds so that we could make sound decisions. Today, that's not, the, that's not exactly what's going on. We're merging back to it, but you've got at least two or three generations that have missed that. So some of the things yeah. that the children are doing. Now, they, right. Now, our caller, she said she, um, she said her family was 12. When you were growing up, your mother had a garden? No, we we were, uh, uh, when my dad left, uh, we were uh, uh, we were raised up in the projects. And so she okay. was, she had to really keep us, you know, really close and, you know, because it, it was a, you know, it became kind of a bad area, you know, and so we were raised up mm-hmm. in the project, so she was keeping pretty close tight, you know, making sure, you know, we stayed pretty safe, and and so, you know, we didn't, you know, no, we never did do garden or anything like that, you know, we were raised up in the city, you know, but we never did okay. any gardening or anything. Yeah, but she, but, know, but she was she she was a wonderful. Well, she was you know in uh, art. You know she could we uh, she sent us to school and we come back home and we think we you know I mean she had little money but she you would think that she had plenty of money because when we come home the house we looked like we had a brand new house and she was able to redo chairs make new curtains and you know just stuff like that. It wow. Was just, Yes, and, really and today, Marcia. Today, Marcia, that's that's a reflection of motherhood because today, Joanne mm-hmm. redoes chairs. She does chairs, and she works with her hands. You know, and 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 wow. things also. And and I I have to give homage to Joanne because Joanne is the one that gave me her children when I lost my son and said, "These are your children." Amen. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's now you know I remember. I had a situation when I lived in Milwaukee. Um, when I owned the house there, it was winter time. We had just it had just snowed. A little boy come to my door, 
and he says, "Ma'am, can I shovel your snow?" He didn't have a he didn't have a decent hat on. He didn't have a hat on. He didn't have gloves on. He had a thin jacket. And it was cold. I mean, it was cold. And I'm thinking, why are you out here? And I actually told him, I said, why are you out here and you don't have a proper hat and coat? I had divorced my first husband back then, so uh, I was still in the house. And I went upstairs and got his jacket and, and his coat and his gloves and gave it to the little boy, and I paid him to shovel the snow. His name was Stanley. Little boy shoveled the snow. The next, and after he finished shoveling snow, I gave him some hot chocolate, talked with him for a little bit, and he went on by his way, and I paid him. He came back the next day, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? He said, fine, and he, um, I invited him in. I said, well, what did you want? Well, I just wanted to come visit with you. Okay. So I sat there and talked with him for a little bit, and then, again, it was still cold, so I gave him another hot chocolate, and he left again. That little boy kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And finally, I got to the point where I didn't even sit and talk to him. He just sat and watched television, you know, whatever, and or he'd sit and play with the girls a little bit. And he was constantly coming to my house. And when I went to his house, I understood why, because it was it was so much chaos and so many people. He would come there just to get peace. And little Stanley wow. um, always visit with me and just sit and talk with me. And Martinez, my oldest daughter, was down here. Mommy, we had cable, so he was in there watching it. He loved the cable TV. But it was just, and then I'm going over his homework with him, and I'm going over some of the classes he should be taking. And said, so why are you taking these? You know, I questioned him about school. He would come and sit and would have dinner with us sometime. It was just that community. And now a lot of people, you don't know your neighbor. And my daughter tell me to this day, she said, Mama, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know my neighbor. Because I'm I, believe that. Person, I have to know my neighbor. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to say hi to you. Every place I've owned a home, my neighbors I've connected with. And we looked out for each other. And I think we need that again. And we're going to have the next generation of young people that ain't Facebook. It's one another, loving and looking out for your neighbors. And I truly believe with food prices going to go up, with this, if our president do this tariff with China, I'm telling you, people going to have to, they're going to need their neighbors. We're going to oh, need their neighbors. I, I believe we're going to, I believe we're going to get to the point where we do know our neighbors because it, it, it's going to turn back into, uh, at some point, what we used to do, if I needed, you know, if my mother needed a cup of sugar, she knew to go next door and get mm-hmm. that cup of sugar. Or she would send us next door to get that cup of sugar. And when she mm-hmm. got the cup of, when she got her sugar from the grocery store, she would send back a cup of sugar. And I thought that was such an <laughs> exchange in, in the way that they would do things like that. So everybody, and, and even even to the point where if she knew that this family didn't have, she would cook a meal and send it to that family or, or send something over there to make sure that they had food. So it, I believe we've got to get back to the community and to the village yeah, in order to, to raise our children the way that we need to raise them. And mm-hmm. and, and that virtuous mother spirit of uh, the nurturing spirit and, and, and speaking positive to our children and walking them mm-hmm. in the ways that they should go. So that is so mm-hmm. important that that happens. 
And that brings and back a, a, a memory with my mom when uh, she, uh, when we were young. She everyone knew her in the neighborhood. She she on Easter Sunday she would do all the neighborhood's hair for free. You know she was just that type of woman that every anything that anyone need help with she was there. You know and still raised twelve children. Is what? And still raise 12 children. 12 yes. children. Yep. <laughs> yes. Now, is your mom still living? Is she? Is she your mom still living? No, she, no, she passed away. My father and my mom both. Yes. Yeah. I don't have my mom here anymore or my parents. None of my parents are alive. But the memories and the impact they placed on me is passed down to the next generation. Uh, I... I you know, I think about my mom a lot. You know, on Sundays, she baked every Sunday, every Sunday. We had every some kind day. of sweet, something up in, we, I mean, the big meal. And she knew I love stewed chicken. And you, it's hard to find stewed chicken today. Stewed chicken, yeah, which are the true. older chicken. She used to cook it with a thick gravy. That was my favorite meal to eat after church dinner. You know, she had always had a big Sunday dinner, always that was routine, a big Sunday dinner for us. My mother, you know, we came home from church. Yeah. My mother always had a big Sunday dinner also. And in fact, she would start cooking on Saturday night. And what she yep. would do is because uh, my husband, uh, my, I mean, because my father was a minister, she would cook part of the meal on Sunday night. And then she'd get up like four o'clock in the morning and she'd put that, put the rest of the meal on. And the church was basically next door. So she would put the meal on while we were at church, and 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 it was a meal that she could kind of time for the time that we would be out of church. So our favorite, the favorite meal that she would always cook was roast beef and gravy in the in the oven, rice and uh, collard greens or turnip greens and cornbread, and she would probably have two vegetables. We might have turnips and mustards and collards or or peas and collards, and she would fix a homemade cornbread and stuff. And then she would always, my mother's like yours, always always had a dessert, always. Mm-hmm. And I look back on mm-hmm. that now. And she was actually a musician for the church, too. And I look back on that now, and I was like, how does she have time to do all that? But they seem to have more energy than we had. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I I remember my uh, mother, she she had the go-to house for dinner, is concerned. Everyone loved her cooking, and they were always over there. Yes. Yeah, and people share meals that way. We came together and with meals and family, and, and I love that. And, I, and I'm I'm that way to this day. You know, um, always having some social gathering at the house or doing something with food. So um, I love that because I think food is a way of, of of sharing. And you know, we feed we feed our babies, we feed ourselves, and we feed our children. I think that's what mothers do. You know, um, but. Um, how can we, and I guess uh, just one person at a time, one mother at a time, I was, you know, reaching these next generation of, of mothers so they can bring up a nurturing, well, well-developed young people. Because you can, and with mental illness, a lot of these kids on, um, like you said, they're on their own, left with video games. And uh, see, we didn't have video games. I and mean, we had the telephone, but, you know, that 
And I wasn't much on watching television, so I wasn't glued to the TV back then, and I'm still not a big TV person. But, you know, knowing how to reach the next generation of mothers to nurture them so they can nurture the generation that's going to follow them. What do we do, or how do we do it? Joanne, would you like to go? For the next generation, how do we nurture the the children to be the yes, next best mothers? Yes. Well, I, I think I, I think we should be able to really talk to our children. You know, have that have that uh, communication between the two. You know, so we could understand each other because every child is so different. You know, you know they might you know you might have one child that. Pretty uh, might be passive. You might have one that's outgoing, and so you have to be able to learn how to work with each, you know, uh, child in the way they are, you know, at that at that that time. So I think it's going to take, you know, it's going to take just you know just the knowledge, you know. And the training of, of to me, I, I would say, it always go back to the Word of God to me. And I believe if we really follow, and if we truly follow that pattern, that we will be able to uh, uh, raise our kids in the way that they should go. Because it, everything in that book, it gives you a direction in the way to go. And I think that's what's that's the most important thing. And I think if, if, if we really take that and sit with our key, children, you know, and I used to do that when they were young. You know, I don't do it as much as I did when they were young, but, uh, uh, you know, I used to take the time to explain to them this is what, you know, what's good and what's not good and, you know, things that you do and, and explain to them why. You know, because sometimes, exactly. you know, your parents might tell you, don't do this or don't do that. No, what, why, what, what is the reason? Why shouldn't I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to uh, give them the understanding, too, you know, if, before wow. they, you know, if they make that statement, because all children, they're going to say, well, why can't I do this? Uh, you know, I mean, what's, what's the reason behind it? So I think those things are so important to not just tell a child not to do something without explaining, you know, what's the reason behind it, you know. So I think and you, those and you know, would you, be big. Go ahead. And you said, you said something, Joanne, understanding. And the Bible says if, if all things get understanding. And when you got yes. a clear understanding of your purpose or why you're doing something, we won't have problems telling them not to do it or don't do it anymore. And I agree mm-hmm. with you 100%. But, you know, a lot of people don't pray with their kids. They don't talk to them. You know, uh, they don't take them to Sunday school. They don't have Bible school. I know vacation Bible school, we were in all of those different things. And I remember uh, one year when I was living in Morrisville, North Carolina, the company I was working for, I had was downsized, and I was, it was in the summertime, and I had nothing to do. And I saw the kids playing outside. And so I talked to their parents, and I had vacation Bible study right there in my uh, apartment because I had just moved down there. And 
a lot of these kids have never been taught to pray, never been to Bible school or vacations or church or anything like that. So the only thing I really mm-hmm. taught those kids that I said, you may need this, and that was the Lord's Prayer. I taught them the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments. And mm-hmm. when they finished that little six-week, we did a little six-week study, They, I had them to repeat the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments. And that's what I gave them to leave with um, for their studies because it was important for me to give them a foundation because I don't know what they're going to run into when they become adults, but I'm going to remember here's God's law and here's his prayer. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, that's, that's and that way prayer. you've given them the basics. And I believe that's what we have to yes. go back to. Go back to simple basics. Simple things mm-hmm. that we know actually work. The Bible mm-hmm. is, 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 has been proven and true and, and it stood the test of time for the, 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 the laws of the, and the commandments that are in it. And it teaches you right from wrong. I believe uh, a lot of times our, our mothers, we, we just need to take them to Proverbs and, and let them read Proverbs and help them to understand Proverbs so that they'll know what's wicked, what's righteous, what's, you know, which way we should go in, in the things that we're doing and teaching our children. I believe another way we can do that is also sit back down at the table. We did a lot of talking at the table. You learn what the children's day was like, what your children's day is like at the table. And, and, and the table tends not to be a threatening thing. You know, where children were afraid to say what they needed to say, but it was like common ground. And you knew over good food you could talk about almost anything. So I believe if we go back to the table, bring the remembrance of the table back of good foods and conversations that are going on, put the cell phones down, put the tweeter down, put Facebook down, and just go back to the table. Go back to sitting around uh, in, a, in a collaborative effort of just talking. Communication is so important, and we have to communicate to our children because if we don't communicate to them, they're going to communicate in some other ways to someone else. So we have to let them know that we have a listening ear and that we will hear what they're saying and take in regards what they're saying. Discipline is also important. We have to learn that there, there are different forms of discipline, and we have to do some discipline with our children to make sure that they stand on the straight and narrow. Also, don't be afraid of, of, of good discipline, and the Bible talks about good discipline. So those are kinds of things that we can do, and then to feed them the right kinds of food, to help them make decisions, to teach them how to make decisions and to teach them as you're teaching them right for wrong, give them things that they have to make decisions with so that when they get out in the public, they can make the right decisions. My, uh, I, I like the way my sister raised her children uh, with, with even money. She taught them at a very young age how to spend money. She would give them an X amount of dollars, even at six years old and four years old. She would give them dollars and say, okay, this, you got to buy your lunch. But, you know, when we go somewhere to eat or something like that. But all both of those girls are really good in finances. She taught them the principles of finances, and she taught them the principles of right and wrong. So when we take the time to listen, we go back to the table, the basics of of eating at the table in conversation. When we go back to the biblical word of God, the principles of God's word as to right and wrong, loving your neighbor as, as you love yourself, and above all, loving God, and then the fear of God, and this is also the fear of mother, uh, what what mother is a, is is standing for, because 
we've got to teach our young women also that they've got to stand in the rightness of themselves with the Lord so that they can teach their children to stand in it also. So we've got a lot of work to do, but we see gains, yeah. but there's still a lot of work that, that is to be done. And then the other part is trying to help them find work that will cause them to not have to be away from the home all the time. What is entrepreneurship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Joanne, Joanne makes furniture and stuff like that, or you know, she or, or or she did hair. You know, some things we can do that we don't have to chase that dollar so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or t- and now they got a lot yeah. of work that allow you to work from home. You can do customer service right from home. Just get a computer and exactly. internet. You can do that from home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That way, that way you're back in the home because. In, in, in my mother's uh, years of us growing up, in the informative years, she spent a lot of time in the home. She worked part-time, but she spent a lot of time in the home, and, and, and that was so important. And, and she gave us the Word of God, her and my father. They gave us the Word of God, and, and we've got to teach those Bible verses to them. I used to sit mm-hmm. my son down mm-hmm. to do those. And he would have to read the Bible and tell me what he thought it meant or memorize a, a, a scripture uh, in one week or something like that because I knew the importance of putting the word inside of him because junk in, junk out, word in, word out. So it depends on what we, what we, whatever we deposit in our children, that's what we're going to yeah. withdraw. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those words, are yeah. the weeds, the words are seed. They are seed. And you, you may not reach, there may be a bad harvest depending on the words you have sown into that child. And, you know, I think about the fifth commandment. It says, honor thy mother and father, and thy days will be long on earth. And we got a lot of young people whose lives are cut short because of that commandment. And, you know, they don't honor their mother and father. They're disrespectful. They, and, you know, and I know these moms have a hard job doing this today by themselves. And that's why we, next month we're going to have Father's Day. We'll have the fathers come on and talk about their responsibility and nurturing and making sure their kids. And, but, you know, to all fairness, I have seen so many young, I'm a baby boomer. I'm definitely a baby boomer. But I have seen so many young men stepping up, yes. being that father. I applaud them. Taking I that leadership. Them. And they're single fathers. They are, Even with the mama being crazy, as they may want to call her, or we call her mama not drama. cooperating. Yes. yes. These men are stepping up taking ownership of their babies, and I just applaud those men who are and Marcia, doing they're going that. So far as to, they're going, Marcia, they're going so far as to actually getting custody of their children when the mother is not mm-hmm. doing what she's supposed to be doing. And I totally, I totally, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with that, especially if it's a little boy, you know, because I just yes. believe a man can raise a, a boy quicker than a, a woman can, Ooh. although our women have done an excellent job at it. They've done, they, and they've done what they've had to wear the pants and they've had to wear the skirts. You know, they've done mm-hmm. excellent at it. But I tell my husband all the time, I can say four sentences to my son. And yes, he respects me. But you can say two words. And he <laughs> literally, he, he snapped back in place. So it's mm-hmm. something about the firmness of the father's voice and even his heart and his love, because they need to see both sides. 
of parenting. And exactly. I know some parents, exactly. some mothers just don't have that option for a father to be in the in the household. And that's why you, you want to look for a mentor of a man to help raise that son. And, and, and women have done an astronomically good job of raising sons even because that's where we've gotten some of our great leaders from single-parent homes. So I applaud mm-hmm. them, and the grace of God has really been upon them to raise the, the children in the home without a father. So I, I, it's just awesome to see. And we got and a lot some of our athletes, too. Yeah, and some of our yes, great athletes. Great athletes. But, you know, great and I know they – I think Theodore Roosevelt and them set this day aside for Mother's Day. Uh, uh, the Roosevelt family, uh, President Roosevelt um, – Set this day aside to rep, uh, worship, I mean, to honor Mother's Day. But it's 365 days a year is Mother's Day. You're busy yes. working, mm-hmm. nourishing, and doing those kids. But this is a day that everybody paused to say, we acknowledge you. We're grateful for you. We thank you for life. We, we, your, your wound could have been our grave, but you gave us life. We thank you for that life. We thank you for the sacrifice you have made for us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for providing for us and keeping us safe. So the moms out there, they're patient. Oh, Lord, patience, patience. We thank you for your arms holding us when we needed to be held or kissed on the cheek that, that, that brightened our day or a positive word that you said, and then, and then the encouragement that you spoke into our lives, and then the, the demand that we were going to be great. That, mm-hmm. that took us a long way when, you, when the mother stood and said, oh, you will do this, and you will mm-hmm. not do this, but you will do this, and you will be great. You can go to college. You will complete college. All of that, mm-hmm. and even the strong stance that they took, even when we thought we could get out there and, and, and do our own thing and we still had to come home, even as young, young adult women, we still had to come home and sit at mama's table and hear the wisdom of her to say, okay, yeah, you messed up there, but this is not the end, mm-hmm. and you can go further. Amen. Now. You know, you know your mistake. My daughter. So let's, let's keep it moving. Michelle Obama was here in Atlanta, and uh, Gail King was here. It was sold out. My daughter had tickets. I told her to take my granddaughter. She had two tickets. I said, take my granddaughter. This is important for her to see. It's based on the book. My daughter bought me the book of um, Michelle Obama. I just got a couple of chapters. I haven't finished it. And that's what she talks about, the legacy of her family and her mom that nursed nourish her and she said she's still mind blown that she was first lady in the White House. You know yeah. um, the ladies speak with such elegance and charm and that you just like you want to sew that into the next generation. That's why I told my daughter take my granddaughter. Let her go see this because it's sowing seeds to our kids and our young ladies to let them know you're beautiful because the woman is beautiful. She's loved by her husband, and that we women can have that. All women can yes. have that once you realize the beauty and the uh, the grace that He has put in you, so you can receive it. Marsha, give the listening audience information on how to reach you with ISO Wisdom. Well, I'm taking it through my email, and it's i s o w dot wisdom. At gmail.com, I-S-O-W dot wisdom 
at gmail.com. And Marcia, can I just say one more thing? I don't want us to leave tonight without thanking, uh, being grateful that God allowed Jesus to come through Mary's womb. And Mary was a phenomenal mother. Knowing that she would have to lose her son for this entire world, and yet she raised him with such grace and such pause and such elegance and, and such a love of, of a love to say, I know he's going to have to leave me, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do for such a time as this. I just, I just believe that, you know, as we can even take examples from that and take examples from Lois and Eunice over in Timothy when Paul said to Timothy, mm-hmm. you have unfringed faith just as your mother and your grandmother. So, I believe I believe it's important that we remember uh, what Mary did and 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 how Jesus came along and finished his course because of the Lord God Almighty because of Yahweh and that he was raised by a physical mother yet he and, and father and yet he had his heavenly father and he, but he was ready for the task at hand when it came to the time for him to do what he had to do. And even at 12 years old, teaching in the synagogue, there had to be some planting in him even then from his dear mother. Mm-hmm. So I just thank God for, for that we can look back on that and use those, uh, use those kinds of women and draw those kinds of women out of the Bible to know that the mother will go the distance. And then she was right there at the foot of the cross when he gave his life. And then even when he was mm-hmm. resurrected, to, to go to the Father mm-hmm. and to die for our sins. So that, to me, that is just so important that we know that yeah. kind of mother also. Oh, yeah. You're right. I stand in agreement with that. Joanne, do you want to leave us with some words of wisdom about moms and for the Mother's Day before we? Oh, um well, my thing is with um, mothers, you know, I, I'm, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you this, I've been learning a lot, you know, I've made mistakes, but I have learned, you know, plenty, you know, from from my mistakes, and and I believe that, you know, the thing is, is, you know, just learning from, you know, mistakes that you made and and, uh, just making sure that your children understand, you know, and will make better decisions, you know. And so, because yeah. I, and you know, I look, go ahead. I agree with you because, you know, we as moms, we don't, we made some mistakes and because, because we made those mistakes, we want our children not to have to go that same route. So you want to spare yeah. them of the pain, the, uh, yeah. the uh, heartaches, the financial struggles that you had to go through, through errors and mistakes that you made. And I always yeah. tell my kids, I use this example. I says, if you're driving a car, I went down this one road, and it was very narrow. You can only take this car down this narrow road. And when I get mm-hmm. to one part of the middle of the road, it has a big hole, so I have to back up. If mm-hmm. I see someone else going down that road, I'm going to warn them. You can't go down that road. There's yes. a big old hole. Yes. You're going to have to back up. Yes. I'd have been down That's the road what? where I I'd, I'd, I couldn't cross. I couldn't do anything. I was on the wrong path. So I have to mm-hmm. back up and putting my life in reverse to get it right, to get on the right road. It's time. It's, it can be heartbreaking. It can be waste of time. But I've learned from that. And because I've learned, 
I want others mm-hmm. to, baby, don't go that way. Let me show you what I've done. Mm-hmm. I made this mistake. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make this mistake. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important. And that's where that wisdom come in and the train of a child. And it, it tells mm-hmm. you to talk to our children in Proverbs when they get up, when they go down. I know they get tired of hearing. I know my grandbaby and my daughters get tired of me saying stuff, but I'm still going to tell it. I'm still going to tell it. Yes. And I tell yes. people the same way. I'd be in the grocery store, and I see a mom doing something. I said, guess what? I said, oh, my man, the grandma and the mom is coming out of me. Can I just share something with you? And they listen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you ladies on, on Mother's Day because um, – the woman is powerful. We need this woman for the next generation because I don't care what happens. Moms, you are wonderfully made by God, and he has a plan. And so many of the young women, you're raising up the next uh, Billy Graham or other prophets or someone. We never know who's got carrying that child that's going to be a prophet or the next president or next CEO mm-hmm. or next Michael Jordan. That's going to be able to take care of you, your family, and everything else. So nourish that wound that's carrying that baby so it can nourish the world. Because I think God has given us all who can take care of each other and to look out for each other. Yes. Marsha, can we challenge the mothers today? If you have not been the mother that... If you've not been the mother that you know you should be, the mother that you know you was like your grandmother, teaching right from wrong, if you have not been that mother, we challenge you to just step back and, and step back into motherhood. You know, children are so forgiving. And just let that child know that, you know, I made some mistakes, but this is the way we're going to go now. We're going we're gonna to trust God and we're going to do it this way. Yeah, if you would just allow me Amen. to mother you the way that I know that I need to mother you. And then we, 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 we're grateful for the mothers who have stood the test of time and, and, and tried to do the right things. We encourage you to continue to do that. But I really want to focus on that woman who, who says, I, you know what, I messed it up. I didn't do it right and I can't do it and I, 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 I'm lost at it. Just seek mm-hmm. wisdom from God and seek wisdom from an mm-hmm. elderly woman or a woman of wisdom to see how to, to, to link yourself up with, with an Eli so that you can see how to raise that child. And I challenge you to go back and, and redo some things with your children because they're so forgiving and watch how your child will turn out. I don't care if they're 15 years old. When you let them know that you love them and you begin to speak positive into them and, 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 and not talk down to them or be condescending to them, and, and when they know that you're really in their corner, it can change their lives no matter how old they are. So be that mother that God has called you to be, that virtuous woman of God that, that brings her children to the Lord and, and teaches her children right from wrong, even even as adults. And I'm speaking to the mother that has adult children. Do Just do the right thing and watch your turn on your feet. Yeah, but you know, that is a blessing. And I just want to thank you guys for being on the show. But, you know, Marsha, we're going to have to plan something that maybe doing a mother event here in Atlanta. Ms. Joanne, stay connected with us. Um, you got the phone number and email address. Yes. Uh, stay yes. connected okay. with us so we can plan something here in Atlanta for some of these young mothers. And we can start something here to teach okay. and bring on Great healthy lesson. new moms. Good. I would love All to right, do that. Thank you. Yes. All right, well, seven seven. Let me get the number. Seven seven zero. You guys have a good day.
Thank you. Have a blessed week, everyone. You're on the DL. All right, God bless you. Mark Patterson.